From Immersive Labs, this is Cyber Humanity. Hello again all, I'm your host Chris Pace. Cyber Humanity is the podcast taking cyber security personally, trying to get inside the heads of hackers, as well as putting our feet in the shoes of defenders. These podcasts essentially come in two flavours, either us ranting about themes close to the hearts of security types, or us chatting about threat and security stuff from recent weeks. I'm delighted to be joined by just two of my very own rooted devices, um, because Breen is Breen, who's our favourite device. Let's be honest. The BBC's um, on, Kev Breen. Oh. BBC's Kev BBC. Breen. He's on Holly Bobs. I can't. Who that 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 the yeah, I know. This is not going to be a good podcast. He, I'd tune out now if I was you. <laughs> but by the way, listeners, he doesn't go on holiday. <laughs> you know, this is a I rare think he's still sat at home inside oh, yeah. playing oh, D and yeah. D, and yeah, it's like the hottest more, day of the year. He's doing more hacking. <laughs> This week, spyware is at the centre of our world, the Pegasus Project, um, and the uh, releasing of a... Well, actually, I'm not sure they released the list, but basically there's a database of 50,000 names uh, of people who have been targeted or infected by spyware, um, installed to uh, or attempted to be installed on, on mobile phones. And this is interesting because the spyware itself is available through a company. That company provides that spyware to... Governments broadly is a suggestion, although I'm not sure that there's any proof of that. So, first of all, I want to begin with the technicals, and then because I know that Paul is exercised about the way this has been reported, <laughs> and by ex- uh, exercised, ladies and gentlemen, is a kind. I've used a, a kind word. Um, Paul is gr- grumpy riled, to the point riled. of angry. Well, I've had two weeks off, haven't I, from podcasting? So I feel very. Um energized right <laughs> and this and energized. this story has energy Back and a guardian centric article does uh <laughs> well well so for balance because that's my that's my job here um this is a consortium of i want to say 15 or 16, 16 media yeah. outlets so and of course that's the other thing that winds up poor about it because of course as soon as we say this story has been released by um 16 media outlets what does paul immediately think of bloody snowden bloody snowden <laughs> um and so there are there uh, i think he's seeing some similarities in the way it's that literally the same in the way that these <laughs> stories in the way that these stories are being reported it's but basically basics of facts as well <laughs> okay i said i i did i think yeah, i said we'll we would to get it. to this later yeah, we would get to yeah. sorry 16 media organizations reporting um suggesting that widespread and continuing abuse of NSO's hacking spyware called Pegasus. The company themselves insist it is only intended for use against criminals and terrorists. And I suppose we can get into that. Uh, we can get into that as well. But basically, it's a piece of malware that infects iPhones and Android devices, which enables operators to extract messages, photos, emails, etc. So shall we talk a little bit about the cybers um, and get into how does this thing get onto phones and what does it do? And then we can look more closely at what this actually means in the context of of the entire story, because there's quite a lot of depth here. 
Yeah. Uh, Max, as as Kev isn't here, it, it, you're <laughs> oh, like oh, de facto. Yeah. You're in de facto. Like, talk a little bit technically about what this um, spyware does. But it feels to me yeah. like this is sort of similar to the kinds of tools I've seen them using. Um, I'm big into folks in the UK. I'm currently big into forensics, the real CSI, um, and they use <laughs> they do forensics on phones and stuff. And it reminds me yeah. a little bit of this. Yeah. I'm assuming it can. It's somehow getting root access to a phone. Yeah, so um, the the background Amnesty International initially had access, and and this is the contentious bit we'll get onto is there's there's a fifty thousand uh, phone number list that has been linked to this malware, and whether it whether it is on those fifty thousand or not, we can we can talk about later. And what they did, Amnesty, it sounds like they've been targeted for quite some time, and and they did some examination yeah, for for um for context. There, they were targeted in both two thousand and. 18 and 2019 specifically by this uh, bit of spyware i mean i'm i'm fighting the urge to jump in here but (laughs) you don't know nobody knows that these people were actually targeted that was well that was that was in the news previously but let's just assume that was in the news previously maybe that because of the previous uh, hacking uh, into amnesty that they have they have done this investigation themselves basically what they have got is they've examined 67 smartphones uh, that the attacks were suspected on of those 23 were successfully infected by pegasus 14 showed attempted penetration and and 30 were inconclusive they believe a number of them had been been replaced handsets so so that's kind of background on the the amnesty international are the ones that have done the um forensic analysis of these phones and yeah so using some kind of zero day we all presume um they get access to the phone send it send a text through any text text medium uh and then if you click on that link we assume that's how you infect the phone uh, and and they must be using some kind of zero day, both an Android and and iPhone, because it infects both of them. And and then, as all good malware should have, or good spy. Well, I'll, I'll say spyware because it, it's slightly different here in that it is designed to be legitimate software used for spying, if you know what I mean, rather than criminals using malware to gather your own information. So it will have access to everything: the camera. Uh, your emails, your texts, your microphone, they can turn your microphone on. They they make a big deal of that on, on lots of the reporting that you can turn your microphone on where, wherever it is, not even if you're uh, using it, uh, things like that. I mean, the risk of winding up, Paul, it just goes <laughs> to show how when your spyware is state-sponsored, it can re- it's really clever. Huh? Like, it doesn't use ever any more than 5% of the space on the phone. It has some clever way of, like, collecting data when it can't transmit it, right? So it puts it in some kind of encrypted buffer or something. I don't really understand what that means, but maybe you can explain it, Max. And then if it, yeah, so it's, and there's a lot obviously that it can access, like the things they care about, photos, videos, emails, browsing history, contacts, location, um, can turn the microphone on and record record calls, um, can use the camera to take screenshots, all that kind of, all that kind of stuff. I don't think there's anything in debate here about the capabilities of this spyware. I mean, they wouldn't have, whatever it is, 60 clients in 40 countries if it didn't do all the things that you just said it did, Chris. But Mm. these um, media outlets haven't gone, you know, got got all front pagey and like, you know, I like to keep the Guardian app installed on my phone so I can keep an eye on them. And I get all these bloody alerts on my phone about, you know, so-and-so's Emmanuel Macron has been spied on by the NSA group, like, 
And what the Guardian have done here in their reporting, which is what they did before back in the Snowden days, is they've taken some information and then just dreamt up some crazy theories and then ended up with some stories that they're then front page splashing about. Well, I don't they have a database. So this this the, the, the problem, of course, is that the database has been the database itself has been leaked, but we don't know. Well, we don't know what anything about the, this data. Yeah, so we don't know enough about numbers. What, we know in it's fifty thousand phone numbers, but we don't. So the leak contains fifty thousand phone numbers, and it says that it is believed. And of course, those three words are the, the are the problem out. that right. you have with the entire thing. Exactly. Um, We're a technical podcast talking about cyber humanity, right? So let's break it down into two parts. Firstly. Does capability exist that can be installed on phones exploiting vulnerabilities in WhatsApp, iMessage, um, some sort of zero day? Absolutely. Like, we all know this. Like, mm. we talk about it all the time. Right? And your phone is a computer in your pocket with all of those sensors. If somebody compromises that device, whether it's your abusive partner in a stalkerware context, whether it's a Russian um, malware actor in a kind of Bitcoin mining or ransomware incident type territory, or it's some intelligence agency, hostile or otherwise, who have uh, decided that you are a subject of interest and in their legal regime they believe that they can uh, implant and infect your device to get information on you, it's all the same thing. So on that, we know that tech exists. There's no, there is a story there, and there should be a big bloody story about it when it comes to stalkerware and all mm. of the kind of uncontrolled technology that's getting put onto your devices. The reason why this is an actual story, though, on front pages of newspapers, is because of this fifty thousand list where they've decided that because they found this list, they've got some sort of assumption that it's linked to this NSA group and its Pegasus malware. That therefore, these people of interest have therefore been compromised, but they can't. They have no a. We don't know whether that there was a million numbers in this list, and they just filtered it down to the fifty thousand that they thought would make front page news. And secondly, there's no proof or otherwise that any one of those fifty thousand were a targeted and b successfully infected. So the whole the whole story just has this kind of like yes, it's interesting technically, but like I think they've extrapolated a little bit too far. Well, I I would I would rebuff that they have you know, found it on the number of phones that they've examined. Now, obviously, they can't go and examine uh, world leaders' phones. But I, I I, don't know, maybe I'm too trusting, Paul, and, and you'll you'll call me out on it. But um, I assume they do have the source. The source gave them the, the list and has said, this is our customer list. Maybe the source is from NSO or, or whatever. Um But we wouldn't expect that to come out either, would we? Why so- haven't they? Why haven't they? said that i mean because that would then add some credibility to the story yeah i i don't know i'm I, but i i assume they must have right they they generally i i believe in in uh the journalism journalists uh, kind so, of so i think what's so just looking through the guardian article on this which obviously is making me slightly grumpy as you might imagine they've looked at 67 smartphones so what i guess has happened is after these 16 media outlets that they've um been involved all in kind of um uh, similarly um uh, politically aligned um found 67 of their phones i suppose mm. people that they have access to human rights activists human rights activists and lawyers whose numbers appeared on that leak list and they the reason they've done this is obviously because they can't get access to 50,000 phones so what they've done is they have attempted to take a cross section and say okay of 
these 67 phones, how many actually would have had Pegasus installed on them? And so, and they had 23. So, so no, they had 37 out of the 67. 23 out of the 67 was successfully infected. The research conducted by Amnesty Security Lab in the Pegasus project found traces of Pegasus activity on 37 on, yeah. of the 67 yeah. phones. Examined. It was the it's extra, because they extra got 14 shows signs. Yeah. But I th- so I agree with you, Paul, that obviously we want proper reporting, but I do think even when talking about um, the Snowden stuff, I don't want to get you more, more riled than you are already, but um, it is a story. And I think maybe you're, you're getting frustrated at, are they, are they doing their due diligence? I'm not actually frustrated. <laughs> are, are they do, doing their due diligence as, as a journalist? But so I do think that is a valid thing we can talk about. But, but, I, I but, think what, we they, should... no, but what I'm saying is, Max, so do, here what was, they've taken 67, they've looked at, they found 23, 14 maybe had signs, they're not sure about the others. Mm. And they've therefore decided that there is a probability that Emmanuel Macron's phone was, because it's on the list, and has therefore been infected, right? I'm not sure that the reporting actually says that. I think the implication is that his number appears on on that database and for and for context that database is basically numbers that have been entered into nso's software in order to attempt to deploy pegasus to those devices is that true though chris that doesn't that didn't appear in any of the articles i like people are making assumptions or there's some other information about that list if there is a source it, at NSA, it, it does. That... It, it does. It does say that. Um, let me find the exact. Because I was just reading through the Guardian's article. The Guardian on article this. does. I think it doesn't does... say that the list was a targeted list. It's it's a list of potential targets for the yeah, purpose of malware. And yeah, NSA yeah. completely denies uh, that that list is. Of course, they perhaps would. But okay, you're right. The presence of the number of a number in the data does not mean there was an attempt to infect the phone. NSA says. There were other possible purposes for numbers being recorded on the list. But then I would like NSO to tell us, NSO who are selling their software to potentially my government, your government, our listeners' governments, I would like them to tell us then what the purposes would be of my phone, my number, for example, being on that on that list, because that data belongs to me. Under GDPR, I might, if that data existed in the right place, I might be able to ask them to tell me the purpose of them holding uh, holding that data. So I think they're not i think that they're doing a lot of vociferous denial um i think the problem is by not giving us in much insight into what the technology does or how it works for obvious reasons they are creating a kind of suspicion around them right yeah. and that is and let's just play, we can we can i just want to finish off on what so we can play into that because i think that's an in, there is an interesting uh, like how are they going to handle this what are they there to do but i do think it's really important to remember that mobile phones can get compromised your mobile phone is vulnerable and if you are doing something super sensitive then probably don't have one like that's why you don't have um boris gets into trouble for this with having his phone number on the bottom of a press release that was available for anybody to use he he should not be using that as a target of interest where his data is going to get compromised with all due respect chris i'm not sure that anybody really cares about your your personal data so they're not going to target you 
But if they did, you would get hacked. If a government organization wanted to spy on you, you would get spied on. So then the, so then the, this so is the, the point, question yeah. then that I have to ask would be, thank you for the, thank you for making that point, Paul, because the question I would have to have to ask then would be why a piece of spyware bought by governments has 180 numbers of journalists and activists and like why then? Because they because they're interesting to those governments. And why would they be interesting to those governments unless those governments are, are, are regimes where they don't like things like free speech or human rights? Well, that's a completely different part of the story, though. So, so I, don't, I don't disagree that there will be regimes that have got the ability to buy. So either those regimes are building the capability themselves or they're buying it from somebody that's willing to sell it to them. Mm, but regimes the are doing that. Like, there's no question that they're doing that. And they've been doing it since Sir Francis Walteringham spied for Queen Elizabeth I. Like, there's, there is spying that happens. And in 2021, it's going to be on digital devices. And some of those targets of interest, the political people that are buying that or building that capability, are not going to align with our views. Of course, that's happening. But the N- but NSO group is saying that they vet the government bodies that they that they sell that software to they are saying they only sell it to military law enforcement in these unnamed countries and they vigorously vet their customers human rights uh, records before allowing them uh, before allowing them to to use it and that's the point right you know we, we move on to the whether or not these 50,000 phone numbers were all targeted or not we can move on to the fact that companies do create spyware some companies create it for you know, companies to use against their own employees. Uh, there will be companies out there that sell spyware to governments to to put on journalists and human rights activists' phones. So do we debate whether it's NSO or not, or do we debate that and what 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 would we do about it in if we're if we believe that's a bad thing, which I well, think we all do. So this, I think, is part of the. So uh, again, it's the it's the um, it's the challenges of this kind of activity happening in the digital domain, isn't it? Like we might not have a problem that someone is surveilled because they're a uh, because they're a suspect. We've had these conversations before um, in 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 the context of another data leak. Um, the thing that concerns us, of course, is when that surveillance is happening. Um, is happening at scale um, and involves those who maybe are, you know, entirely and completely innocent. But it happens just because it's possible. Um, but, I, but I think the I think the challenge and the difference there is that we sit here in in the UK or in the US and we think we trust our government. So there's a first premise: we trust our government to act lawfully and legally and maintain and monitor and manage human rights, right? And and we all accept that our we contribute to our government spying on some of its own citizens in order to keep us all safe right we, we all accept that it all goes a bit you know wrong when you get into the shades of gray where a, a advanced uh, government uh, in israel has fun you know people going in funding um through startups and exciting companies who are coming out of defense forces building some of that capability that the government are obviously using in a private sector context and now we've got private um organizations uh spying and selling their spyware for governments that we now don't agree with politically and that's where it all goes wrong because 
that we don't trust those foreign governments. And if I went to China or Russia and I took my mobile phone, I would expect it to get compromised. Well, this this is what I mean. A wider point is that I I kind of bleat on a bit, a fair a fair bit. Is you know I, I've written warrants to breach other people's human rights, which is right to privacy, and, and as part of the police. But you're in a full structure where it gets signed off by. Uh, your commander or your, or a judge or everything else um and so but then if you're talking about spyware and we, you know we talk about google a lot that google has that more access to data than the police do under a, a legal warrant of breaching your your human rights so so in that context how you know i think it's it's not just a problem for this spyware of governments going against uh, human rights activists it's it's kind of a problem of all all data being accessible, and then yeah. h- how do we how do we know private companies? And Tim Berners Lee's got got a big exciting project about this, hasn't he? Where it's like your data is your data; it's stored and it's only accessed on your like. But, but that's a completely different um, but that, internet. But, uh, that but how how can we trust today. private sector with our data? And and in any context, private well, sector in well, this well, context. Well, we can't. Well, that, we, we know that we, we know that we can't. Point. Like it's a fact that we can't. Yeah, so so I think that's the the key here is understanding that private companies have access to our data, private companies sell to whoever they want, and and where where should we? And I'm putting air quotes. I, I don't know. You can define what we is, but where should we step in to protect human rights in an international? Context. That's the bigger question, isn't it? Because to me, I, that's where I was, where I was headed towards. You know, the idea of being able to um, prevent and address and highlight human rights abuses in the physical world is much easier, actually, and it feels that there are channels for. Um, you know that that involve you know government organisations and the UN and all this kind of thing feels there are channels there that that are gone through to highlight human rights abuses in particular countries and to make those uh, and to punish those countries that are involved in those human rights abuses. In the digital realm, that doesn't seem to yet exist. And so, actually, what no. I take from this article is not who the people on that list might be or the fact that software like this exists that can be used in the in the right ways it's that the problem is that the people and this is the same for this is the same for us but we can talk about immersive labs here a little bit i think um this is the same for us is that the provider of that software is are the ones who are ultimately responsible for ensuring that it's not used in the wrong way and i just wonder whether that might be i just wonder whether that might be wrong well well, I something I haven't. You might have expected me to have sort of mostly ignored this whole article because it was quite irritating <laughs> to me, as you might imagine. <laughs> so I don't know one thing about it. I probably don't know a lot of things about it. But one of the things I don't know about it is whether or not um, the tool is a tool that's sold and used by the governments that have used it. So it's like bought by them and mm-hmm. administered and used, or is it almost software as a service? Like, do do we know the difference? Do we no, know they buy it, they they buy yeah, it and I install it locally in their in right. their infrastructure? So here's a I'm pro- there's probably some reason I'll get shot at for saying this, but <laughs> how is NSA Group different to Smith and Weston in this context? So it's the whole like I sell you some guns. I'm not the moral arbiter of what to do with those. 
why are we holding an SO oh, hang on, group? Hang to on, a cart? no, If you want to stretch that analogy, we can stretch yeah, it further. Um, if, if, yeah, if those <laughs> I hadn't guns thought are, about what's going to come next. If, if those guns are sold to a regime that then hand those guns to foot soldiers who use them um, in the wrong, you know, in the the wrong ways, then those human rights abuses will be like identified and dealt with in the context of that country, and that's what I'm getting at. So I agree with you, Paul. That we're both you and I are saying the same thing in a different what? way. We're saying no, we're saying it's not down. <laughs> to industry or private companies to decide how a service that they or a system that they provide um, is is used I don't think I think it's down to there being oversight to make sure that there's an understanding well, of they, I, them being used in the right way but, take, but taking that analogy again there are in the UK and I know in the US it's very different but in the UK you can't buy handguns it is illegal so someone sells you a handgun they go to jail you go to jail uh, and now I know in the US that is that is different but same with malware this malware isn't you, you can't you can't use this malware for hunting <laughs> That's, mm. for example you know you, you, what what recreational use are you going to use this malware well, for well no, so. say so, say the reason why I use that analogy is just because of where the blames like where no, but it's, it's, it's quite it's, it is quite a good one though because because it does show malware what what use for that malware uh, well, well i assume, I got I assume so, but, but here's the thing right so the governments have export controls so the, to your point chris um the uk government the us government lo- lots of governments st- don't allow export of for example nuclear reactors to organization to countries that they don't like using nuclear reactor they don't trust right so export controls on weapons export controls on technology i suspect israel has these which is why the nsa group has said we only sell to people that has you know good human rights records for example and we all know that there's masses of gray area saudi arabia is a perfect example like the formula one went to saudi arabia and when formula one went to saudi arabia there's a lot of people that was very upset about that because of the um because of people's opinions on the human rights uh, record of saudi arabia who gets to decide whether saudi arabia government gets to buy spyware from nso group and use it in a legal way inside the country of saudi arabia in order to protect saudi arabia from terrorists which we would all sit here today saying if we'd have bought that malware as the uk government and used it against the uh, perpetrators of the bombing attacks in manchester or the london bridge attacks or the um july 7th attacks any of those things we'd be like yeah absolutely we that's the most cost efficient and effective way to get direct intelligence on threat to uk citizens lives that is absolutely acceptable judge signs off home office signs uh, home secretary signs off that's fine and what the difference is in this situation is like the guardian and these news outlets um uh, expressing opinions about whether or not they believe those regimes should have had that capability i think but I, they're expressing that opinion, but isn't that the opinion of all of us that regimes should not be hacking uh, other world leaders and and human rights activists? I, that is a, if I was a world opinion, leader, but... imagine. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> oh God! <laughs> <laughs> I'd expect to be hacked. Wouldn't you expect to be hacked? Yeah, you'd, you'd be also using expect a to be, yeah. phone. Also you expect be to be secured, wouldn't you? You'd expect that your you'd expect that your government would have you know security in, in place that was effective and did the the job that it needs to do. I think that's different to, and I think that's why actually this conversation is really important because I think that's different to um, 
ordinary citizens having an understanding of the potential of what a government has in their arsenal to use um, that if their government is less than scrupulous could be used against them despite the fact they might be an innocent person. And I don't disagree with that Chris but I do think that the most likely thing to affect an ordinary citizen is a abusive partner installing stalkerware. Yeah, or They're a cyber more... criminal targeting or... them to steal money from them or whatever. Exactly. I think we all I don't think anybody is saying that isn't true. And this is why you're mithered by the, the, the nature of the reporting exactly. because the implication is that this is um more geopolitical um than it is you, you know, than it is kind of obvious. <laughs> and I think you can see the reporting's not really been picked up elsewhere. It doesn't feel like it's broken through in any other media outlets it's a very it's in a bit of a bubble of guardian amnesty international et al i think paul's lumping the bbc in with <laughs> yeah well to cover it like um, they've hardly done a panorama on it they will though i think because i seem to remember when i worked at a previous vendor there was a similar situation where it turned out that um what's called limbs which is legal intercept management software which is basically a way of listening to people's telephone calls over the network um, was being used by the syrian government and it had been accidentally sold to the syrian government via you know by a you know perfectly reputable vendor and the questions were asked and the same question should be asked um you know of mm. of nso like uh, you, you you the suggestion is that if you build it you take some responsibility uh for how it's used and nso have also been doing a lot you know there's um uh, more information about how they've been sharing um how they make decisions about who they decide um to sell their software to um and and not so there's been an attempt at transparency from them i just i I basically am getting at i think it's a i think it's a thing that there has to be more international involvement in than just leaving it down to the software um vendor to decide who can and can't buy it but I mean, we we've had these discussions in the company, and we're on, ongoing. We're a growing company. We're we're, we're going global, um, and we have those discussions about who should and who shouldn't we. And that is currently down to the ethics of pretty much management, right? And mm-hmm. and of our company. And, whoa, and, whoa, whoa, whoa! We have a whole no fly list with other organisations use, that we don't do business with. Is the list with. a recommended list? It's, from no, it's somewhere. it's uh, because if you, if we want to do business with US and UK right. governments, then we have to abide by those. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that export controls list and what we call our no fly list. That's that's not our. Not, that's on government government mandate. That on to us. Yeah, but we choose to if we so we could not do business with those governments and do business with. It is know. up to us. Is basically what Max is getting. Yeah. At. If we want to, so there's, a, so there's oh, I see. There's a, we could we could not do business with UK, US government, and yeah, okay, yeah. But I think as a UK registered company, we have to. Yeah, work. of course. But I I do think there's there's the ethical side there as well, which we're as a company, I think we we all agree we're pretty good at. But there will be companies out there who aren't ethical or don't care about that um and or maybe they're just struggling to stay alive as a startup and they'll sell to anyone who who will buy them it's more frustrating in some ways that that what was shared was a list of phone numbers but you would feel like the easier thing to leak would be a list of who they're would be a list of who they were paying you know who which people were paying them to buy the software so i don't know if that's the thing that's not being given away um but Probably doesn't make for as good a story. Well, it, well, I, I feel well, like if you're the... if you're reading between the lines, you would you would think it you would think it would make a good story. But to bring bring it back to 
cyber, which is if there no if there were no zero days, then they wouldn't be able to hack <laughs> these phones. So really, what we need to do is make sure all software is secure, and then and then they won't be able to use this this spyware slash malware to to access the phones. And and I, and I, I absolutely agree with you because it is an arms race, right? Mm. So iPhone pride itself, Apple pride itself in the fact that it protects its users' privacy. So any zero day, any vulnerability with its iMessage software can be exploited by both quote-unquote good government organizations and quote-unquote bad government organizations so their their mission their infinite goal if you put it in those terms is is great and i'm sure that apple will be horrified to learn that this software managed to get onto its devices and will be patching and uh, rapidly or has has already rapidly patched their tools and and i think i'm sure google would be the same with its android ecosystem um and i and and i think that arms race it's hard right so i mean i've been on the other side of this it, those the invest the dollars of investment that are in apple for its security track and google's project zero and so on and so forth the dollars invested there is massive and the idea that you know that governments can compete with that or you know israeli spyware companies can compete with that it, it's tricky like it is a bit of it's an interesting arms race and i and it will be interesting to see how it pans out over the next few years as to who wins. My assumption would be that because criminals, that if we talk about if we talk about illegal illegal activity, not taking everything else away for a second, um, criminals are kind of digitally aware enough to recognise that this is a way that they could be um, spied on by their government or by law enforcement. Um, that they have kind of retreated to these encrypted. Uh, these encrypted phones but <laughs> then there was a the story FBI. last week how <laughs> yeah. those encrypted phones were being sold to them by the fbi anyway so there's nowhere for there's nowhere for criminals to hide either you're gonna end up with spyware well, on your phone good, from law enforcement thing, yeah. or you're gonna end up buying a hacked phone from the fbi that's going to be able to listen to everything you're talking about but the, i mean that arm that's why the arms race is so interesting because at the same time us securing every device from a bad government is exactly doing the same, securing every device from a good government trying to track mm. down criminals and terrorists. So it it's not an easy no I don't think anyone can say either way is 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 right. Like we should secure every device forever or we should, you know, be able to hack every device. It, it it's too, we will also end up, gray. I think in I think we'll also end up as in a place as our industry matures where we'll stop trying to do this thing where we say there are bad actors and targets um you know we need we need to move to a place where we understand that there are just actors there are there are cyber actors whether they're good or bad regardless of what their motivations are those they are associated with the techniques that they use in order to do what they need to do so regardless of whether we see them whether we see them as good or bad i think our organization has to mature to that kind of level to be able to get a better understanding of how of how we defend ourselves and also to that zero to that point on zero days to understand like how likely zero days are to be exploited based on like the nature of the zero day rather than trying to understand everything about a threat actor which i think is a hiding to nothing i wonder if the era of cyber warfare and cyber stuff will 
Wayne and we'll end up back at information assurance and information mm. security because that is what we're talking about isn't it yeah. it's just about keeping your information secure yeah. and making sure and having the assurance that that information hasn't been uh, you know compromised or uh, or accessed inappropriately etc so yeah cyber i think we like the cyber industry and of course we're part of this but has whipped up that whole that whole threat actor you know yeah attack defend nomenclature because but, data is the because data dangerous. is the new oil so when it leaks everyone gets messy nice and on that circuitous bombshell because i feel like we came to apps as usual it was a great episode of the podcast didn't it? we came to absolutely no conclusions we must bring things to a close if you've enjoyed this podcast please do subscribe rate or comment wherever you get your audio content and if you want to find out more about immersive labs you can find us at immersivelabs.com or follow us on twitter at immersive labs until next time from all of us goodbye 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 Yay, 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 yay,